This is Dak Prescott, and you're listening to Faith on the Field Show. Welcome to Faith on the Field Show, presented by International Justice Mission. I'm Rob Motti with my beautiful wife, Remy. It is so great to be with you as we celebrate our five-year anniversary, five years this week, that Woo-hoo! Faith on the Field Show launched on one radio station. We were on 610 mm-hmm. ESPN Philly, and now here we are, Fox Sports Las Vegas, ESPN Richmond, Angels Radio LA, The Game Orlando, ESPN Charlotte, Real Sports Atlanta, ESPN South Jersey, and 107.5 Alive. God is so good. Thank you to Absolutely. everyone who has listened, everyone who's been a part of this. It's incredible. It's We're so, just so it's amazing what God has been doing with the show, and it's just so wonderful how we've evolved and grew so much. And I want to get to a point, though, because I, I dream so big. I want to get to a point that you cannot mention how many people um, how many stations were I on? I know that I can't run them down. Yeah, you can run just them say, down. You say like all over. That's, it's that's, in every state. <laughs> that's the goal. That's the goal. Every so. state. But uh, I, you know, I want to shout out some of the people who've helped us along the way. Obviously, Doug Horton, Pastor Scott Foreman, mm-hmm. Pastor Phil, who was part of the first show in the first um, six months. Uh, Pastor Kyle, who was part of the show for a while and so many people who've appeared every guest every player every coach any athlete who's been and there's been guys who've been on multiple times but everyone who's been on this show and of course all of our awesome sponsors especially international justice mission we are so grateful and so thankful so since this is our five week anniversary show five year you said five week. Did I say five week? You said five week. Five year. <laughs> five year anniversary show. Yeah. We're going to have a special guest who always says, get your popcorn ready. T.O. is here. Get your, <laughs> get your popcorn ready. In fact, when I did the Zoom interview with him this week, he was sitting there at home and he had a little sign hanging behind him that said, get your popcorn ready. Seriously? Terrell Owens, Hall of Fame awesome. wide receiver is here. And T.O., I've spoken to T.O. before about his faith because he was raised by his grandmom, and he has such a great relationship with his grandmother. And, in fact, when he played for the Eagles way back in 2004 and five, before he got kicked off the team and all that stuff happened, but he's still one of the greatest players in the history of the NFL. But he had written a book, and I, I remember reading that book just to get to know a little bit more about him as he came to the Eagles, and just that relationship with his grandmother was so important to him. And he, and he says she's the one who who taught him all about the Lord and taught him about, as he says, the man above about God and really instilled those church values in him. And, and then he brings up in the, the conversation as we talk about that, Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13 is one of the most popular verses out there, especially for athletes. It's also one of the most misused or misinterpreted Verses. So let's talk a little bit about Philippians 4.13 because I love it. I have a shirt that says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, I love it. Our girls know that. It's one of the, the verses that we taught them at like age four that they remembered. And it, it is misused and for many reasons. And I don't want to shoot down anyone who uses it for motivation or inspiration because I, I don't see anything wrong with being inspired by anything biblical, right? How do you see it? But in 
I, I don't. I, I'm not saying that it's not inspirational. I, mm-hmm. I'm just looking at it from the context okay. of well, we we might we might have a. a I just want to know a difference of opinion. No, I'm here. curious. I, I just want to talk <laughs> about it from first what Paul meant when he wrote that in his letter to the Philippians, right? Okay. And we always talk about Philippians 4.13, but it's important not to ignore f- the two sentences prior, Philippians 4.10, 11, and, and, and 12, the two verses prior. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned... To be content, whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's right. So what Paul was going through at the time, like he's not, he's not, writing these words from his yacht or from his mansion. He's writing these words in prison, Mm -hmm. not knowing if he's going to be sentenced to die Mm -hmm. for going around and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. But what he, his intent here is, and as I read that, I, I really tried to emphasize the two times he used the word content in four 12 and 4, is it both times? And 411. In 411 and 412, he, he uses the word content. And what he's trying to say is he had learned to be content with his life regardless of what he had or what he didn't have. So he didn't allow when he had good times or when he's going through the, the struggle being bound and changed and whipped and beaten and imprisoned, he didn't allow that struggle to ruin his contentment because it came, his joy, his happiness came from his relationship with Jesus. So he's saying that no matter what our circumstances are, we can learn to be content through those circumstances because of our relationship, if we have one, with the Lord. So I think sometimes people take it as, I can do all things. And what he's saying is, I can do all this. And when he said all this, he, he just listed all of the, the, the strife. But he can do all this. He can go through it all because of his relationship with the Lord. So it, it's not like I can do all things. I, I have these supernatural powers and abilities. Yes, God is greater than everything. And you can do anything through God. But I don't see, that's not what Paul, and we talk, we probably have done this show in various ways along the, along the way and talked about it this way, but it's the contentment. And this is something I struggle with sometimes. We is, all do. Is that contentment do, yeah. mm-hmm. in the moment of joy or in the moment of struggle? Well, it's normal, though. It's normal to just have something to be working, like you're working towards something, like you're dreaming about something or you're frustrated about something. But at the same time, you need to remember that you can do it all. You can you can do it all through Christ. Like everything that is in your heart or whatever dreams you have got put in your heart for a reason. We all have different dreams for a reason. We all have different things that we want to work on for a reason. Yeah. 
because God put it on our heart to work on. Everybody struggles with something. Nobody's not struggling. Everybody's struggling with something. It could be like something personal or something that's finance or whatever. It, it, you have something that you're struggling with on a daily basis. But you have to remind yourself every day that the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So, I mean... If I, Paul can do what if, he did. Yeah. I mean, but we have to also think like, why? There has to be a reason why God is taking us through whatever he's taking us through. Because... There's a there's a lesson to be learned. There's something that we have to go through. We have to, something to learn something new. There is a reason for it. And mm-hmm. you should just tackle it head on because he's trying to get you to the next level. Like your dreams are attached to something in your life right now that you're hating so much. You know, like, like, like That's I, interesting. you know what I mean? Like your dreams are attached to something you're absolutely, you're dreading every single day. And the more you, mm-hmm. I know I have dreams that I'm dreading. Like I know that from personal experience i have major dreams but i'm dreading maybe the, we should the talk steps. about this a little bit more in depth off the show is no, <laughs> no i mean you know all my dreams but yeah. like you know what i'm saying yeah, like you, everybody you never has you never something. worded it that way i think that's very deep oh i'm deep you know that yeah <laughs> um no but it's, it's very true everybody's dreams attached to something they hate on a daily basis they they hate dread, they dread doing it on a daily basis like whether it's like waking up a certain time going to sleep a certain time uh even as small as like not making your bed like there's something that you're you're dreading the baby steps you're dreading the crawling and therefore god is not going to make you walk can i compare it to this like Mm -hmm. i i want to be i want to be physically fit i want to be in excellent shape yeah me too Mm -hmm. i dread Mm-hmm. To use your terminology, mm-hmm. I dread not eating carbs because I, lo- <laughs> man, I love my pizza and yeah, lasagna. Preach, preach, right? Okay. preach. Yes. All that's, right. That's, so now I'm really, I'm, I always have to relate it to something. No, I, it's true. I, I actually don't in. I enjoy when I'm walking out of the gym. Oh yeah, that feeling it, it, of all right, I got my workout in. Yes. The drive to the gym is not Hate fun my for life. me because yes. I, I don't, I don't like to. I mean, people mm-hmm. think because I work out and it, it you know. That I love it. No, mm. <laughs> I don't love it. I dread no, it sometimes. Everybody, but then if you want the six pack, what are you going to do? Yeah, you have to You have pack. to wake up and go to the gym and, and put in the work, as you keep saying. The, keep putting the, the work. The, the forever elusive six pack. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to sum it up really quickly that Philippians 4.13 isn't so much about our goals professionally and personally and physically, although we can, we there is nothing that we can't do if we don't put our mind to it and seek it and go for it wholeheartedly. And I never want to discourage anyone from doing that. But I think from Paul's perspective, this was an encouragement that God can give you the strength to be happy no matter what your situation is. Up next, you're going to hear from T.O. You're listening to Faith on a Field Show presented by International Justice Mission. Today, over 40 million people are being forced into trafficking and slavery. One in four are children. We cannot allow them to suffer in silence. We need you. We need everybody. Go to IJM.org backslash take action, get information, understand how you can be involved. Because of the work that you are committing to do, they will be free. This is Derek Henry, and you listen to Faith on the Field Show. Welcome 
back to Faith on a Field Show presented by International Justice Mission. I'm Rob Motti with Remy. If you're listening to us for the first time, you can go to faithonafieldshow.com. Find every episode since we launched in 2017. We celebrated our five-year anniversary this week. We've had an incredible lineup of guests, and you can listen anytime at your convenience on any of the podcast platforms. You'll hear the full interviews on there. Be sure also to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Faith on the Field and tell a friend or two about the show. I want to take a second to thank thank our awesome sponsors. Please check them out on our website, International Justice Mission Heritage's Dairy Stores. If you would like to be a sponsor for our show and help our ministry grow, please reach out to us at team at faithonafieldshow.com. We have various packages. We can cater them specifically to fit your needs. Our goal is to be on a sports radio station in every state. If you don't have a business to advertise on but want to help the ministry grow, we do have a donate button on our page at faithonafieldshow.com. Our guest this week, Terrell Owens, is one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play in the NFL. He's also one of the most entertaining guys. He's 48 years old, but he's not done playing. So I talked to T.O. about that and more. T.O., tell me, what's going on? You're coming back. You're going to play some football, fan-controlled league. I see the videos. I see you on Instagram. You're in phenomenal shape. So I'm sure you can do it. What do you think? Well, first of all, uh, the, the, all the headlines have been that I, I'm unretiring. Um, but if anybody had, had done some real extensive research, I never really retired. <laughs> I, never, I never retired. Um, so at the end of the day, man, for me, this is just an opportunity, obviously, to partner with uh, fan-controlled football um, and what they're doing. Um, obviously, giving kids an opportunity, guys an opportunity uh, to really play football. And then, hey, you never know. This could be a springboard for those guys to either go to the CFL, NFL, whatever the case may be. Um, but for me, this is nothing uh, different than I've been doing over the last four or five years. It's just running around, um, teaching guys, helping guys uh, with how to run routes, you know, transitioning uh, in and out of their routes, uh, stance and start, um, just uh, educating them about football and things that made me the Hall of Famer that I am today. So, um, again, like I said, uh, what they're paying me is not life life changing. Um, but why not? Why not go out and do some things and, and, and get get paid for it a little bit? So um, that wasn't even the motivating factor for me. It's just the fact that I'm already doing this. Why not go and mentor and help some 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 kids and uh, even quarterbacks? Uh, just helping them with learning and understanding uh, the different levels of speed because I've worked with high school kids. I've worked with college kids and obviously, you know, some guys that are, that, that are in the pros as well. It, it sounds to me, T.O., that a lot of this is, a, is about you wanting to mentor, wanting to show these guys what really made you the player that you are, the Hall of Famer that you were. So how much work have you been doing with various players, whether they're in the league, whether they're in college, high school, along the way um, to help you prepare for that kind of that mentorship slash playing role? Um, I've been doing this, honestly, for for a while, even when I was uh... – you know, looking to get back into the league, uh, you know, uh, from right from around like 2012 to, you know, 2018 or whatever the case may be um, with that, that five five year window um, before I got in, you know, got initially nominated for the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, guys would come up to me, you know, during the times that we're on the field. Um, I would stay with guys after. Um, where they would ask me questions about certain things, um, even defensive backs, because a lot of those guys, they were kind of in awe that I was still able to do. And even today, 
do some of the things that they saw me do uh, when I was on the football field. So, you know, it's not like I'm doing it for uh, for the for publicity or the notoriety. Um, I think this is something that's organic for me that I've, like I said, I've been doing this for, for a while. Um, just a lot of people haven't, you know, uh, made any mention of it. I know Johnny Manziel played in this league last year. He's playing again this year. Have you talked to some of the guys who are going to be participating? Are you recruiting anyone to want to come and, and join this league? And th- there's a fan-controlled aspect where fans, right, right they get to call right. the plays. What are you going to do if they call something that you don't like? Um, I'm going to call an audible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what, this is, uh, I'm in the infancy, uh, in the embryonic stage of, of fan control football. And so I'm starting, uh, I'm, I'll be learning, uh, the little nuances, uh, of the league. But, uh, I think like I said, it's a, it's a great, this is a great opportunity, a great platform to, to play on. Um, obviously, like I said, I think a lot of fans watching games, uh, I'm sure they wish they could call plays. And so this is definitely the name says it all. Um, I think if you look, go back and look at some of the uh, some of the games that have come down to like the last seconds, or you know, there have been some questionable plays. Um, just think about the the Seattle Seahawks play where you know it's what is that? I don't know, it was a second, third, and one, and uh, Pete Pete Carroll decided to throw the pass instead of run run Marshawn. Yeah. I think it, we all go back and 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 replay that. I think the fans would obviously call that call a running play. Um, so this is kind of the idea of what fan control football uh, is about. Uh, it's a great fan element and there's some other business opportunities um to it as well so um it's going to be uh it's going to be fun um like i said this is new to me um i'm just now starting out and we'll be able to kind of understand um like i said the little little intricacies and nuances uh, of the league and so i'm looking looking forward to, to really get out there and so even me having the experience of playing in the ifl like some years back um i realized you know going through practice and playing on a shortened field. Um, honestly, that helped me uh, with my footwork. It helped me to get in and out of my routes quicker. So when I got on the actual football field, um, guys, I mean, they, they saw the difference of me playing in, in that league for a few weeks and then getting back in front of those guys. Dude, I was kind of, I was untouchable. T.O., how much do you watch today's NFL? Receivers now are starting to get paid and they're getting paid. Numbers are going crazy to passing league and, and guys are are a thousand yards receiving it isn't as hard as it used to be like how much do you pay attention are there some receivers out there that you think kind of embody what you were able to do out there on the field well yeah let's start with the the the, the financial aspect of it I mean these guys <laughs> are pay, getting paid 80 to 100 million and I remember when I was uh you know in, in Philadelphia and I wanted to redo renegotiate my contract and I was just wanting what around like 10, 15 uh, million a year. And they were laughing at me and they were like, yo, you're not worth that. And you look at the guys that are making that type of money now, it shows you I was really onto something. And so you just have to know your, your net worth. You have to know your value. And uh, so, again, you look at, you know, obviously the game has changed a bit. And even with me saying that, um, talking about change um just with the rules have changed uh you know you the defensive backs and and even the defensive uh you know side of the ball has changed and that's why you have an inflation uh, of numbers you know with receivers um that's not to take uh, anything away from their skill set um but i think if uh, if the game was played um like when i played today you wouldn't see a lot of those numbers but Hey, um, with, you know, with, with, with football and just like life, um, that comes about change and um, you have to take advantage of it. And I think that's what these guys are doing. And obviously the market has changed 
Um, but if you look at a lot of these guys, like I said, I mean, um, I feel like today I could obviously come in and contribute uh, to a team. Like I said, you, you think about third down uh, and you think about red zone situations. Uh, you think about just uh, when you think about those particular uh, facets of the game, uh, red zone, that's what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs um, late in, that, in, the, in the game where they end up ultimately losing uh, against the Buffalo Bills because they were in the red zone and nobody could get open. You say that. Have you tr- have you like actually reached out? Have you talked? I know you're 48 years old, but you, right. you stay in great shape. Yeah, I'm not your typical 48 year old. And that's the thing. I think anybody that has seen me, uh, I play recreationally uh, in a lot of basketball leagues. I play uh, in some softball leagues. Everybody sees the speed is there. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, you know, who's for who is it to say that a lot of people uh, can can commentate on somebody else's uh how they feel, how somebody else's body. Um, for me, like I said, you know, I'm not like anybody else. There's a few athletes, I think, in this world, I think that can defy the odds or have defied some odds. And I honestly feel like I'm one of those guys. Um, uh, as people has, uh, had seen, I think you alluded to it earlier, um, I had a lot of video clips of me running routes and things of that nature. Um, and then, like I said, there was a buzz toward, uh, toward the end of the year around the playoffs about me possibly, you know, uh, coming back to a team. And that was honestly because an owner had reached out to me and, and asked me to keep me in shape, uh, to keep myself in shape after he had seen me, you know, um, after running into me. So, um, that's something, like I said, I've reached out. Uh, I, I've kept in contact with a couple of coaches. Um, like I said, you know, like I said, whether it happens or not, who's to say, um, but I always say, and I've been one of those guys that say never, never say never. Well, Tom Brady's still doing it now, going on 45 years old. So Exactly. And that's the thing. Me and Tom, yeah, Tom is good at what he does. And I feel, honestly, I feel like I'm good at what I do. Um, if he can do it, um, I definitely know that I, that I can do it. And so at the same time, um, for me, like I said, it's a matter of being given an opportunity. And then, like I said, being on a team where, like I said, I, I feel like I can ultimately contribute and really mentor some guys and help those guys become better receivers at the same time. Tio, you said an owner reached out to you last towards the end of last season? Yeah, actually it was at the beginning of the season, prior to the season. And so, oh, wow. um, like I said, I think I did an interview and I did uh, I did uh, uh, Shannon Sharps. Uh, I think he, I did his podcast and okay. uh, we talked about it a bit uh, on there. But yeah, um, definitely an owner reached out to me. I, I even talked to the, to the coach and the GM uh, mm-hmm. of that team. So, um, like I said, I was just looking forward and just keeping myself ready. Can you um, give me Jesse. more? Can, can you tell me NFC, AFC? Division? Uh, it was a, it was a, it was an AFC team. An AFC team. Yeah, huh? yeah. It was right, an AFC T- team. Tio, I, I mean, I, yeah. co- I covered your career in Philly. It wasn't, it wasn't all that long, but it was very impactful, right? In Philadelphia, right. the Super Bowl that you came back, uh, came back to play in, and what you were able to do. I was there on that lawn. I'm sure you don't remember, but it was 15 years ago. Six to even even longer than that. So when you look back on your career, do you have any regrets? Um, re- regrets about what? Um, Anything? I, no, I mean I think I played the game to the highest, uh, to, at the highest level. Uh, considering me coming out of a, a small town in Alexander City, Alabama, I went to a small school, uh, uh, Division One AA. Uh, played at UT Chattanooga. Even played basketball. You know, shout out to the mocks that made it to the to the tournament. Um, but you know, honestly, no, I, I have no regrets in, in, in how I went about and how I played the game. 
Um, just because a lot of people have perceived me a certain way because of media portrayal, I just un- honestly I feel like I was grossly and unfairly, uh, you know, portrayed with you know who who I am as a person, my character. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think if you just go back and you do your research and you look at things that have transpired, you know, since I've been out of the league and some of the things that I, you know, some of the situations that I were in. Um, it, it pales in comparison to some of the things that some guys are doing now and even, you know, how the league has changed. So um, honestly, like I said, I, I, I don't regret anything. And I think if I did, if I were to say that I regretted anything, I think that would be a slap in, in my grandmother's face because of how she raised me. Uh, and I honestly feel like she taught me, uh, you know, and raised me to the best of her ability. Um, I was very respectful. Um, when you think about the organizations that I played for, um, I not only represented them well, I, resent, re, I represented myself personally well, and I rep, represented my family name. So um, when you look at it that way um, and think about how people perceive me and how they look at me, uh, like I said, it, it, it makes no sense because I know I'm a good person. And I think if you look at even the years that I've been out of the league, still no issues. But when it came to the Hall of Fame, uh, when I was nominated first uh, the first time in 2016, those were some of the things that that prevented me. Um, and they kept moving. The, like I said, move, they kept moving the goalposts and, and allowing me to get in because of character issues. But at the end of the day, I'm in now. And uh, that's all that matters. Well, T.O., I always thought you were one of the most misunderstood athletes, and it should—it was a disgrace to the right, Pro right. Football Hall of Fame that you weren't a first ballot. We don't have a lot of yeah. time, but I got to say this. Uh, as a man of faith, I appreciate the cross on, on your ear. Um, oh, absolutely. What, what does that mean to you? Uh, my, my grandmother, like I said, she introduced me to the man above. Uh, I know that I, I wouldn't be who I am number one without him but I was like I said she she introduced me to 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 God she introduced me to church um I've always lived my life um that way um one of my favorite and one of her favorite scriptures is Philippians 4 13 is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me um and that's really kind of how I live my life and every time that I do something I put those things at the forefront and then like I said you know um actually while I'm thinking it is the name on the back of my jersey for fan fan control football it might be prototype 81 um because my desire my dedication and my discipline um that's what enabled me to become a hall of famer and the fabric of who I am um everything that I did up until that point um I had to have a desire I dedicated myself and I was like I said the difference between being good and great is that level of discipline. So, and and the definition of prototype is the the, the basis on which something is made a form. We're all prototypes in our our own right. And so I just happen to be prototype 81. T.O., appreciate you, man. Thank you. Absolutely. That's it for this week. Thank you to T.O. Thank you to Doug, Pastor Scott, and everyone on our Faith on a Field Show team. And thank you for listening to Faith on a Field Show presented by International Justice Mission. For Remy, I'm Rob Motti, reminding you, make a difference. Be a blessing. Today, over 40 million people are being forced into trafficking and slavery. One in four are children. We cannot allow them to suffer in silence. We need you. We need everybody. Go to IJM.org backslash take action. Get information. Understand how you can be involved. Because of the work that you are committing to do, they will be free.